Dude, hello and welcome to the Innate Wisdom Podcast. It's Polly Graves here. And yes, hello. <laughs> I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Linda Petit. Am I saying that right? Petit? Pet, Petit? Petit. Petit. Yeah. And we I was going to introduce her because on her website she has this interesting uh, caught my eye that a priestess at heart and, and a psychologist. The psychology background I thought it was such an interesting mix so how about we start there <laughs> you know it's so funny because uh I've grappled recently with what how do I what do I call myself because I I am a retired psychologist counseling psychologist I don't have any active licenses anymore but uh, and really that was a financial decision because they're very, very expensive to maintain. And I had four of them. So I thought you know, there's really no reason to do it. And yet I'm not really retired. Uh, I'm working full time, but to, to maintain the credential and say that I've been a counseling psychologist, I have, I can say that I'm retired, mm -hmm. but, but I thought I'm not, I really don't like the language of coaching. I'm not real. I don't really see myself as a coach. I, I really love working with people more on the spiritual side of things. And so what do I call that? I thought, well, you know, spiritual companion and eh. spiritual director, nah, uh, spiritual counselor, that's a protected title. And so it just one, one day I just hit upon, well, I'm sort of a priestess at heart. <laughs> and I decided I was going to use that. <laughs> nice. I like that. You anointed you, you anointed yourself a priestess i did i did it was, it's a totally self-proclaimed anointed kind of thing you know and it's so funny because my first marriage uh my husband was um a resigned roman catholic priest and uh one of one of my own counselors at one point joked well linda uh the closest you could come to the priesthood because catholics don't allow women to be priests is to marry one <laughs> <laughs> which I, I thought was really kind of funny so so yeah that's where the whole priestess things came, came from and and I do think see it as kind of humorous but it's also for me kind of reverential because it's it's um, kind of an acknowledgement that uh, talking about spirit spiritual things talking about what I think of as an intuitive spirituality is is really near and dear to my heart like that there's wisdom, your wisdom, you, you had wisdom, your innate wisdom in appoint, anointing yourself. A priestess <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's that spirituality that um, like psychology, <laughs> they seem so far apart from mainstream. So you know, they never have been for me. No. And in fact, um, I have been very, very blessed that from the very get-go, when I became, uh, my first role was as a counselor, a master's level counselor. And my first mentors were deeply spiritual people. And I went, I went to a university that was Catholic, yeah. but the focus of uh, it's a, it's a very beautiful Catholic university that also has a very deep ecumenical flair. And the, the sisters who run it have always spoken of many paths up the spiritual mountain. 
and they have mm. a lot of respect for that. And so, so my introduction to counseling ha always had that feel that this is a spiritual thing we're doing, mm. uh, helping people, and uh, a very deliberate focus on bringing spirituality or respecting spirituality as part of the therapeutic process. And then even when I went to West Virginia University to do my doctorate in counseling psychology and could use the title of psychologist, I was very fortunate again that I had mentors who really saw that there was a common boundary between spirituality and psychology and, and very got a lot of encouragement for pursuing that and understanding that and living that. So the principles, when I found them, were kind of a natural extension to a path I'd already been on. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and which is kind of the principles, that introduction of that path, that's really why we're, yeah. how we, how, how you crossed my path, because my, you're well known <laughs> to people that are more in the, in aware of the principles, but maybe you could talk a little bit about your, you know, if you want your discovery story, how you came to the principles or how it's impacted your life? Sure, it's actually kind of a funny story and kind of a beautiful story, romantic story. Uh, I, I, Polly, I had a couple of insights, a couple of very profound insights before I came to the principles. Uh, a number of things that occurred after my late husband's sudden death on Christmas Eve in 1999. There were just a spontaneous set of things that happened in my process of recovery from that, that I'd started to see some things like I had started to see that I had a choice between sitting in deep, deep grief or sitting in, in an incredible, beautiful gratitude and seeing that the experience changed depending upon what I was conscious of. I had a couple of spontaneous insights about thought, but I didn't really have a language for talking about those. And, uh, and then I met Bill on Valentine's Day in 2003. I was at West Virginia University and I'd been asked to do a a speaking engagement on the power of unconditional love in healing for people at the medical center. So doctors, nurses, physical therapists, uh, pharmacy, dentistry. So there were about 200 people who came and I did my talk and I, I did a meditation as part of the talk. And I was really trying to point people toward a spiritual understanding. And at the end of the, at the end of the talk, this man walked up to me and he had a white lab coat on. He was kind of a you know big figure. And, and there was something on the shirt that said Sid, S medical director, Sydney Banks Institute. And I, all I saw was the medical director. I had no idea what the Sydney Banks Institute thing was about. And I, and I thought, oh, shoot, this is one of these doctors who's going to really come up and give me grief about the fact that I'm talking about love and healing and spirit and healing. Right. But and, and Bill stepped toward me and I remember stepping back, like feeling like the, kind of a surge of his energy because he's, he's kind of a very energetic, big personality. And he reached out his hand and he said, um, uh, I think we have a lot in common. I think we have some things that would be useful for us to talk about. 
And would you ever be up? He said, I know you, you, you said that you lived about 125 miles south of where we are, but I'd be happy to meet you halfway so that we could have dinner and, and talk about some things that I think would be useful to you. And, and I said, you know, sure. And six months later, we were married. Wow. <laughs> That's a Valentine's Day story. <laughs> Huh. So it was, uh, it was a really beautiful kind of introduction to Bill, and we did have a pretty whirlwind courtship, and, and shortly after we got married, I, he, I went to a workshop that he did with Judy Sedgman before we got married, and they were talking about the principles. He invited me up to that, and I, my only remember, well, there are a couple of remembrances of that one, um, but the one key one was that he, um, he seemed to be talking about something that seemed like what I at the time called a neocognitive therapy. Okay. And I just, I just didn't hear in the way it was being discussed at that point, a lot of spiritual, I don't know, a lot of talk about the spiritual. And so initially it just kind of went right by me. And then and then we got married and, and Sid Banks, the man who had the initial insight that uncovered the principles, invited us over to Salt Spring to spend a week with him. I think he wanted to just check me out a little bit and uh, it was a really sweet meeting. And, and then from there, my own journey, very slowly, very, very slowly. I was not one of those these people who had like a sudden blinding insight and, uh, and, you know, from that point on, walked in grace. <laughs> I was more of one of those people who fought it, like, to the nails and, and gave Bill a really hard time about it. In fact, I, I told this story before that, you know, I, I was kind of reactive at the time, and Bill was trying really hard so that his life would be gentler. <laughs> <laughs> to to help me see something and he would say you ought to listen to Sid Banks you know you ought to listen to his videos well I didn't want to give him the satisfaction of thinking that I was listening to Sid's videos so I'd wait till Bill left for work and I, I was coaching uh, out of our home at that time and and then I would go turn on the videos so he wouldn't know that I had done that <laughs> but every time every time I turned them on and I'd listen to Sid I'd I'd fall asleep <laughs> yeah. asleep. And finally, I fessed up to Bill and I said, honey, I've been trying to listen to those damn videos. But every time I hear that man's voice, it's so hypnotic and monotone that I just fall asleep. I mean, now, Polly, I would explain that differently. I mean, I really saw that I was pretty sped up at the time in my own head and that, you know, that offered me an opportunity to quiet down and, and my body would do what it needed, which was, was to rest. And gradually, I uh, started to have a series of insights that it took about two years. And I, I actually had a conversation with Sid, oh, probably about two years into it. And I said, Sid, I'm thinking, because I've been doing coaching, I'm thinking about going back into psychotherapy and opening my, own, my practice office again because I really have come to trust that people are really having these kind of incredible results 
sharing uh, the three principles and I want to test that out for myself. I said, but I don't think I know very much. I don't think I, I don't, I don't have the kind of words for it that Bill Pettit has or George Pransky has or Elsie Spittle has. Chip, Chip and Jan Chipman have and, and you know, the sort of the most well-known teachers at the time, Roger Mills. And, and Sid asked me to share with him, well, what have you seen? Tell me, tell me a metaphor that you have seen. How do you explain what you have seen? And I told him about how I saw that thought was like a river and these thought boats were flying down the river. And as long as I stayed on the shore and just watched the thought boats, everything was okay. But I had a habit of jumping on boats and I like fast boats. <laughs> those boats a lot of gas and the next thing I knew they'd be going in circles in the middle of the river and all these thought boats were piling up on top of them and Sid laughed he just <laughs> roared and he said well my dear well dearie he said well dearie that is a rudimentary metaphor but, but then he said it's yours it's yours yeah and and all you have to do is share what's yours and people will hear the truth of it. It'll go straight into their hearts. Mm -hmm. and, and then he said, and, and if you are humble and you listen to what they see, they'll pull you forward. You'll sort of leapfrog over them and they'll leapfrog over you. And I thought, well, I, I've seen that already in therapy that people sometimes leapfrog over me and see something that I don't see. So that I trust. And I'm going to trust him that my metaphor is okay because it comes from the heart. And, and he, just, he just went on to say, don't share anything you don't see. People will know that you're not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. But if you share what you see, they will hear it. And so I kind of decided I would stay with that. And I went and uh, almost immediately just started to see beautiful things happen for people. Mm -hmm. And as they would have beautiful things happen. I remember the first client I ever shared it with just whoa catapulted forward with this amazing insight but it was true as she shared what she saw I was like oh yeah that's really cool <clears throat> and it was about the nature of thought you know that she really saw that she she was living in an illusion created by thought about the situation that she was in <clears throat> and seeing that gave her a fresh perspective and also clearer wisdom for how to move forward and and her depression uh, remitted very quickly. That's that's so awesome. That's I mean that's the amazing thing. May continues to amaze me just how the little shift in perspective and awareness suddenly it's like every, you know, yeah screens of confusion or whatever drop away. Yeah, yeah, false yeah. movies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like your river. I like your river analogy. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed to work. <laughs> and Polly, it was so funny because I was very skeptical of the understanding, even at that point. I did, I did make a decision that when I reopened my practice office, which I did, that I would only share the principles, wouldn't share anything else. And that was kind of hard because it meant for me, I loved the work of Carl Jung and I loved dream work, dream analysis. And I loved sort of conceptualizing what was going on with people from his spiritual understanding. 
and and what it had meant to me and it felt it felt like I was leaving a lot that was really really super creative and fun to share these three principles I remember actually saying to Bill so what am I going to do I'm gonna <laughs> open my practice office and say mind thought and consciousness mind thought and consciousness mind thought and consciousness you know seven eight nine hours a day but of course it was anything but that it was very very creative and I also, uh, because I was really concerned that I not be doing anyone harm, I decided that I would uh, measure my results. Oh. <clears throat> so with every client I saw uh, early on, I used three different self-report inventories to measure whether or not they were actually getting better from session to session. And that was the real kicker for me because I really saw that people were, I was seeing drops in their scores that I had never seen before hmm. uh, with such ease and such rapidity and to such a degree. So I knew I was onto something that there was something very powerful in, you know, in sharing the understanding, even though the results in terms of what was going on in my own life at that point were, you know, mod modest, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're a little more than modest now. <laughs> I certainly live at a far greater degree of peace today. <laughs> That's, I think sometimes we don't see the, 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 the steps we're making or the improvements we're having and experiencing. Other people sometimes notice it first. That. Did, was that your experience at all? Or? Oh, yeah. You know, I, for whatever reason, I, I, I had this little sense of being fraudulent um, because, because people would often say to me, well, before I knew anything about the principles, they would say to me, oh, Linda, you're so calm. Because so, I'm very quiet. I just am a quieter natured person. You're so quiet. You're so calm. You're so peaceful. But I didn't feel that inside. Inside, I was just awash with worry and, uh, you know, worry about, you know, lots of different things. But like with my clients, you know, oh my gosh, if I don't do the right thing and they, what if they do this or what if they do that or what if I'm not able to help them or what if I have no idea what to do about the particular problem that they have? So there was always kind of a low grade anxiety percolating beyond the scenes. And when I first started, um, see the principles and share them uh one of the most potent pieces of feedback i got was from my colleagues i worked at, i worked in a big practice office there were 20 of us clinicians and then we had a fairly large support staff to handle all the billing and so forth it was a wonderful wonderful group of people i was very very blessed to have great great colleagues and I was very close to the administrative folks, just loved them and had good relationships with them. And they were so kind to me. And uh, they came to me one day, one of, one of them came to me and asked me if I would do a workshop for them on stress management. Hmm. And I, I said to, to Tammy, I said, why, why are you asking me? There's a, there's a whole group here of people who do more of that kind of work. And she said, because because the staff can see that something has changed for you. They wanna know more about this three principles understanding you're learning from your husband. And 
and uh, she said, you know, Linda, we had a joke among ourselves that we always kind of knew what time you'd be coming in. We knew what your client schedule was. And we kind of keep a half a ear tuned to when the back door would close and kind of peek our head out and see if it was you coming in the back door. And, uh, and she said there would be, for me, there would be this sort of like, oh my gosh, did I remember to go into Linda's office and make sure that everything was okay? She said, because you know, you're, when you leave at the end of the day, occasionally another therapist comes in for late hours and they use your office. And, and we would know that if you went into your office and there was something out of place, maybe your little people bus had gotten put in a, a different place. Or so we had noticed that you really like to have all the little art, you know, icons and knickknacks that you have in your office sort of placed just so. I mean, right at the right angles. And if everything wasn't neat and orderly and clean and just at the right angles, it was highly likely that the next thing that would happen is that you would be charging into the front office saying, okay, who used my office last night? <laughs> she said, now you were never mean or unpleasant about that, but it was, we wanted you to have a really good experience. We didn't want you to start out your day with this sort of like, you know, who did what? And she said, we just noticed that when you started to learn this understanding, it wasn't happening wasn't happy you wouldn't say anything you didn't seem bothered by it and there was just a sense that you were so much more relaxed and I was really taken aback by that I was like, wow it's true I don't even notice that stuff anymore <laughs> it's it's or if I do it's not a it's not a big deal it's like oh I just go change that you know put that back where I like it um, but yeah, so that was really interesting feedback that that helped me think about my own experience and say, well, no, I really have calmed down a lot. I really, the, the, the noise. I, I, Polly, I didn't experience myself as a, as a, you know, like an angry person. I had, a, I had a, some degree of anxiety and worry, no doubt about it, but more as a busy person. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of like I felt like, I, you know, there used to be that, cartoon about the the Jetsons the space age family and George Jetson would get on his his uh treadmill outside of his space pod and that would take off and he would be running so fast uh <laughs> to try to keep up with it that eventually he would just be sort of spinning in space that was a good description of how I felt you know that I was just on this really fast treadmill trying to keep up with my practice work my parenting my house and of course everything had to be perfect so yeah i i really began to see that i had calmed down just your way of being you were you were being different sounds like yeah and i think marriage got a little easier for bill <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite so reactive. <laughs> it's a, a life lived in the head versus a life lived. <laughs> yeah, that's really that, true. That, that presence of, I mean, even if we're not conscious of it, that, you know, that presence of just being without being affected by those little things. So, that's what I'm getting an image, uh, you know, a, 
a sense of <laughs> there, you know, there there were really two things that I, I often think about related to what I experienced when I when, when I came came across this understanding. And one it, one is that I I did calm down. I did start living a quieter life. I didn't feel so driven wasn't as perfectionistic. I mean, there are some things I'm still perfectionistic about, but I choose it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there are certain things that I like a certain way and I choose to devote the energy to that. It's not, it doesn't feel like it chooses me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, and that's huge. So, and I, I, there have been times in my life where I have had anxiety to the point that I had panic. I would, I would have been easily diagnosable as having a panic disorder and that is not true. I mean, that has not been true for over 15 years now. And I'm very grateful for that because it's not a fun experience. Mm-hmm. And my heart goes out to people who have a lot of anxiety and panic and, yeah. you know, what we call post-traumatic stress because it's, it's a painful way to live. But the other thing that was really, really valuable to me was um, I, I knew I knew that there was a spiritual essence behind life. I've known that since as early as I can remember. It's just been with me. And I'm very grateful that I was raised Catholic and that I was raised uh, in Catholic schools. I had a lot of mentors who were nuns, beautiful Mm -hmm. women, strong, deeply spiritual women. And they gave me uh, permission to talk about the spiritual. They gave me a language for it. Granted, a language that at times was distorted or limiting, but it was a language. And so I I could acknowledge that that was a part of my life, a very big part of my life. And I am eternally grateful for that. But I was consciously preoccupied with the fact that it seemed that there were times that I lived in this flow, this intuitive flow where life just sort of happened and I knew what to do and I saw synchronicities around me that guided me and I had kind of a knowing about things that protected me Uh, but then there would be times when it felt like it just wasn't there it was gone and I think I think of those even now as I look back on them that I remember feeling like those were really dark times what happened what happened to it all why did it seem like the flow stopped why did that knowing stop or why was the information not coming? You know, it just, just couldn't, couldn't figure that out. And so I was on a search to find answers for that. I, I, my first business was called wisdom sources. And that was not about me being a source of wisdom. It was that I saw we're all sources of wisdom. How do we increase that? How do we keep that flowing? I mean, I didn't see at that point that we are that. We are. And I, and I also did not see that I was using the power and gift of thought in such a way that I felt cut off from that. And that was, that was like a huge eye-opening piece as I gradually saw, oh my gosh, the only thing that ever gets in the way of that flow, that flow of information, that spiritual information, spiritual intelligence taking form, 
is when I'm caught up in what I'm doing with it. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was, that was transformative, life-changing. Life-changing, yeah. Huh. That. rather than something to get to that it's always there mm-hmm. and seeing that trip away yeah that that would that that would be life-changing <laughs> and, and and the simplicity of the simplicity of seeing that that the only thing that ever cuts me off from that is is when i'm you know, just really taken by my own personal thinking and paying a lot of attention to it and giving it a lot of energy and, and asleep, asleep. Sleep. Hmm. So I would imagine, well, not I would imagine, there are, you know, with the way things are in the, right now, the, you know, the way in the world, the, this season of the year and lots of people not able to, um, you know, be with family or friends. And, and there's a lot of people experiencing anxiety right now. I mean, is there you know, anything that you, not a tip, but, you know, like some words of, give some people some hope or some peace of mind or some direction back to themselves what's there well you know it's 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 you know we're human aren't we we're just we're beautifully human beings and part part of part of having a life in the full full the knowing the fullness of life is that we we get to experience relationships. We get to experience hopefully really loving relationships. We feel close and connected to people, care about them. And so for us to, you know, have some sadness or grief or, you know, to have even some worry about them at times is, you know, just to me, it's just all part of being human. It's all part of being connected. And I don't fight those feelings. I would never encourage anyone to fight those feelings. But what I'm, what I tend to do for myself and what I encourage my clients to do is to look at the beautiful side of them. You know, the beautiful, what those, the the information those feelings provide me is that I really care about people. I really care about being with people. And I really care about loving the people who I have in my life and that's a beautiful thing thank god for that so i can be grateful for that you know i had a conversation the other day with um it was it was kind of a unexpected conversation with david banks uh sydney banks's son oh yes and he, we, he was on a, a webinar that I was on and we stayed after a few minutes with Bill and another person and just talked for a bit. And David said something that I thought, oh yeah, that's so true. He said, really, when I think back about my experiences with my father, Sidney Banks, uh, there, were, there are two things that I re- realized that my dad emphasized over and over and over again. 
And those are gratitude and forgiveness. Mm. And, and I, you know, I thought, oh yeah, that's really true that I was struck when I was put to, putting together a program that I did a number of years ago called Life is Spiritual Theater. And I went back and read all of the works of SIDS and listened to the videos again. And I was really looking for what does Sid talk about most often? That those were two things that had become very apparent to me. And so when I sit with the fact that I can't be with my grandchildren or my great or my children over the next couple of weeks, when normally we would spend the time together, I, I might have some sadness about that. But uh, I know that simply noticing that that by my, my because of my nature as a human being, I'm grateful that they're healthy. I'm grateful that we have remained connected to them. I'm grateful that we have Zoom technology to continue to stay connected. I'm grateful that one of them lives very close here and we're probably going to be able to, we have a pod, you know, a special pandemic pod, we'll be able to spend a little time together. So I'm just grateful. And then the other piece about forgiveness that I think is helpful is, you know, we, when we think about forgiveness, we think, we think, we tend to think in terms of forgiving others, which is, which is good. But I've also thought so often that it helps to have a forgiving heart toward life. Because life just hands us things, right? It just hands us things, you know, there are a lot of different ways of talking about that. But life handed me the death of my first husband on Christmas Eve. Life handed me uh, a fall from a a ladder that has had long-term consequences in terms of my physical body. Life handed me, you know, could name any, any one of us. You could name, you could name your things. Any one of us could name our things. But it, it has helped me to kind of think about forgiving life for that. That it's just, just part of the human experience. It's part of, maybe it's even part of why we're here. Maybe we're all having experiences that we're learning from. And and kind of not holding on to that or not begrudging that or not having resentment about that is really, really important. So as I look at the pandemic, I'm not interested in having a lot of resentment about the fact that I can't be with my family or I'm not interested in having a lot of bitterness about that. I know that that doesn't feel good. It feels horrible to live in that state. And so I'd much rather have forgiveness and, you know, life is just life. Things happen. And it's not personal to me. It's just something that a lot of us are experiencing. And we're being guided through it. I, I totally know we're being guided through it. And that we're learning from it. And that there's a lot of good potentially in it. A lot of beauty to be found in it. So, you know, looking for, for a forgiving attitude, looking for gratitude, seeing beauty in things that at, on first blush might not seem beautiful. That helps me a lot, and it certainly seems to help my clients, and it's very consistent with what Sid Banks talked about. Life just living. Just forgive life for doing what life does. <laughs> uh, much wisdom there, much wisdom. Gratitude, forgiveness. 
love, yeah, love, all of it. If it was all, if it was all just up, how would we appreciate it? Yeah. That's great. And and are you what what you know if, if people wanted to get a hold of me, are you what sorts of things are you up to that? Well, and I, I'm doing two two things right now. One one is uh, what I call my psycho spiritual conversations. And so those conversations are really oriented to helping people see for themselves, something in the three principles understanding that can be helpful to them. And those, those conversations are, you know, which are bookable through my website. They're, they're a wide variety of people use them for a wide variety of things. You know, they have something going on in their life that they want to, to see the guidance behind life more clearly about. There are people who are three principles coaches who want to see the understanding more deeply um, people who are experiencing anxiety and depression. So just a wide variety of people come in through that portal. And then about a year ago, I also started offering intuitive sessions. And those sessions, I, I really, I see, you know, every one of us sees what we see and that's cool. And I see that the principles are an intuitive way of life. And Sid, Sid Banks spoke to that. Um, there's a beautiful quote where he says, aloha. And, and he says, before, right before he says this, these words, he says, aloha is another word for love. Aloha or love is an intuitive way of life. Knowing what to do and when to do it without fear or without need of return, trusting in the abundance behind life. That's really beautiful. An intuitive way of, way of life, knowing what to do and when to do it. That sort of uh, is rest, rests on uh, that you're quiet enough and you're, that you're listening to the silence. You're listening, you're listening to that place where the formless becomes form by a thought to hear the next thing that you can take, the next action you can take in life. And I decided that um, I'd always loved using, or I've always loved using oracle cards in my own life they're, they're, and, and pursuing archetypes. You know, archetypes are just patterns of understanding. Sid mm -hmm. used archetypes a lot. He, he talked mm -hmm. about and in, in, I don't know that he, I, I don't know that he knew that he was consciously doing that. I never heard him talk about the word archetype. Yeah. But the title of his book, In Quest of the Pearl, the pearl is an ages old archetype. It's a shorthand way of saying exactly what Sid uses it for. Oh, really? The way you find the pearl of wisdom is that you sweep away the impurities, right? Sid used the archetype of the artist to talk about how we're, we're painting the brushstrokes of life you know num there are a number of different places where he talks about bridges keys they're all archetypes they're just patterns of understanding that he used to try to point toward the principles so i i decided to play around with bringing those symbols into my work with people again 
as I had done 20 years ago. And it's been really beautiful. It's been really fun. So I, so I do these intuitive sessions where people call up and I, I use the energy that comes through my hands to pick cards for them. And we sit and we talk about what does this archetype mean to you? How does it point you or take you deeper toward an understanding of what Sid saw? And I've studied his materials enough and deeply enough to be able to point to places where he speaks using the language of archetypes. Oh, oh. And, and that, that in many cases seems to be really helpful to people. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And, it, and what, I was, what I was looking for as I started that work was, will it facilitate a flow of energy and a surge in understanding? And when I saw that it did, and it didn't have to be at all incompatible with anything else I was doing in terms of sharing the principles, I put that out there. And it's for a certain subsector of people who like the language of intuition and like the language of you know, the intuitive flow of life or the synchronistic flow of life. Uh, it, it, it feels fun. Hmm. I do those too. That's like so creative, doing the things you love. Yeah. Things that interest you, building, like using all of the your all of the things that are you know the foundational blocks that that have gone before and not discarding them, yeah. and using them and letting them all all weave and flow with the principles. Yeah, you know, Polly, I had a really interesting conversation with Sid. It was very short. It was not a big deal. But it was the first time, the first day I met him, we went to, actually the second day I met him, we went to lunch and go into the bathroom and I kind of screwed up my courage to ask Sid this question. I re When I was in his presence, I didn't have a lot of questions. I just was like, like, just listening. But I said, Sid, you know, all my life I've had premonitional, premonitional experiences and I've had dreams that have been prophetic. And I live with this sort of intuitive sense of life. And he said, and I said, what, how did the principal speak to that? And he was kind of cute. He chuckled, Polly, and he said, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I was, what? You know they're connected. But I didn't see how at that point. And it was really kind of sweet because his wife, Judy, sitting next to him, like poked him in the ribs. And she said, oh, Sydney Banks, you do too know how those are connected. And Sid laughed and, and he said, well, Judy, what do I know? And Judy was really beautiful. She said, you know that it's not special. You know that anyone can see outside the boundaries of time, space and matter. And Sid just turned and looked at me and he said, yes, that is true. And it's not special. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but it really was a lot for me. It was like, oh, okay, I'll make that something special. That is, that is how life works. And it's not just something that I have. All of us can access the wisdom behind life. All of us, every one of us. And... Yeah, that was, and seeing it as, as a wisdom outside the boundaries of time, space, and matter was really beautiful for me. I don't exactly know what that means. I'd be, I'd be lying if I tried to make myself sound like I did. 
sounds good. Wisdom outside the boundaries of time, space, and matter. I don't know exactly what that means either, but it has a energy to it or a tingliness to it. Yeah, kind of a ring of rightness. You know, it's like, yes. it's like that, in that place where Sid says that at death, uh, the full illumination of mind will be born. It has that same feel for me. When I hear that, I hear the mystery of it and I hear the rightness of it. It has that tingle of rightness. But I, do I know what it means really? At the level of intellect? No, I don't. But I also like, so wants to know them. <laughs> yeah. And I love, there's a place where Sid speaks on one of the tapes where he says, when you accept the mystery, you join the mystery. And there's something about that that I love. So much, so, so much. And I'm loving all your stories and all the, like, of your experience and your, you know, your interactions with Sid. And, oh, there's so, so much. <laughs> oh. And that, I'm really that, that what you're up to with that intuition and, and how tapping people into what's there for them. That's, I love, I love how it flows through each person, you know, allowing that and the work that you're doing to allow other people to tap into that. Pointing people, reminding people. Yeah. I'm still at the place where I fall asleep often. <laughs> When I listen to Sid. <laughs> and I feel like I wake up to the same sentence every time. <laughs> well, I don't know how long you've been doing that, but for me, it lasted a while. <laughs> a couple of years. It always comes up. Love and understanding. That's, I, that's what keeps jumping out for me. The love and understanding. And the, the okayness, you know, that the, the okayness that we are, that's there, yeah. that's there for the, yeah. just for, like you said, the forgiveness of life, the, the gratitude for what's there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm aware of the time and you've been very, Gracious, gracious with your time and generous and I've loved our conversation and um, I just have to thank you for for being on the Innate Wisdom podcast is there any last words you would any last little story or? I just want to thank you you know you're I, I mean I really am touched by your spirit and your energy and that you're a really good listener and and I I love that in people and I love that sense of quietness and willingness to, to, to just be present in people. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And so I want to thank you and yeah, just, yeah. There's a, there's a lot here in this understanding and there's something for everyone. And that's, uh, that's kind of beautiful. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for your words and thank you for sharing yourself with us and with our audience. And if anyone, I'm get, there's, there'll be the information how to connect with Linda below. And uh, thank you for listening to our podcast and look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk. Because I, I, <laughs> I'd love to explore more someday, Linda. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for the invitation, Polly. Mm -hmm. Thank you.